You're listening to the Paleo NP Podcast, episode number three. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Paleo NP podcast. Um, Last week, we talked about uh, the paleo diet, like paleo 101, and we talked about the do's and don'ts. And this week I was supposed to have a guest interview on the show, but she had to reschedule. So she'll be on next week. So I'm sorry about that. If you were hoping to tune in and hear something other than me talking to myself. Um, But if you were hoping for that, you should definitely come back next week um, to hear my interview with her because we're going to talk about a lot of really great stuff, um, managing chronic health issues with paleo and some stuff about um, body positivity that I'm really excited to get into. Also, I am traveling this week, so I apologize if the quality on the audio recording isn't exactly up to par. I'm not at home with my usual setup. So for this week, I want to talk about nutrition challenges, and I also want to talk about personalizing paleo because I think that personalization is the natural next step after a challenge, like the Whole30 or the program that's in my ebook or whatever reset or challenge you might be doing um, to get into paleo or to cut out sugar or whatever reason you're doing a challenge for. And I think that this is really good timing because this episode is going to go live on December 21st and I'm sure a lot of you are getting ready to make your New Year's resolutions or start some sort of nutrition challenge in the new year, which I definitely don't want to get off on a huge tangent on this, um, but I don't think that you should wait until the new year to start something like this, especially if you've been thinking about it for a while. Um, I just feel like so many people fail at their new New Year's resolutions for whatever reason, but it's just like another day if you're waiting to start until the new year um, because you'll be doing it with a group of others um, to keep you accountable, then that's awesome but don't wait just because the new year feels like some new and exciting thing. Um, Anyway, I think the absolute most important thing that we need to remember when you are doing a nutrition challenge or not really is to do what works for you. Um, And what works for you doesn't necessarily work for someone else. I'm going to come back to this idea um, when we talk about personalizing paleo, but just because all of your friends told you to try a challenge Um, of some sort doesn't mean that it's going to change your life. You might learn some things about yourself, but just keep in mind that it might not work in the same way for you as it did for other people. Um, And I also think it's important to note that not everyone does well with a challenge. Um, For some people who have or who have suffered from disordered eating, it almost always ends up as just an excuse to continue that way of eating or to slip back into that way of eating, even if that's not an issue for you right now. But others, for others, it can be really helpful to have some rules to follow. In my experience, the people who do well with nutrition challenges are people who might have a little bit more of a type A personality or who are really black and white about the way that they think about things, or even those who feel better when they don't have to make decisions um, or who feel more free when they have a set of rules to follow. 
If you've ever heard of Gretchen Rubin, she has um, these four personality types that she has broken people down into. Um, and I think there's a free quiz on her website, which I'll link to in the show notes. But if you use her personality types or as she calls them, her the tendencies, um, I think that people who do best with nutrition challenges are what she calls obligers, which means that they tend to need outside expectations to make things happen rather than being able to rise and meet their own internal expectations. I'm a little bit of an obliger and a lot of a rebel type personality, so these rules sometimes work for me when I decide that I want them to, but not always. So if you're someone who generally feels pretty in in control of your eating and you get tired of making decisions and you just want a little bit of a reset to get back on track, then a nutrition challenge could be right for you. Also, if you are someone who likes to change a lot of things at once because for whatever reason, like one small change just doesn't seem big enough, like a big enough deal for you to stick to, so you've really got to shake things up to make it stick, then something like this could also really work for you. Or if you're going to the gym and just not really loving the results that you're getting with whatever exercise program you're doing because you come home from the gym or your run or whatever, your workout, and you eat a bunch of pizza then you might need help getting that nutrition piece in place. And a challenge could be just the thing to help you see some results and see the value in the change itself. And it doesn't have to be as complicated as following someone else's rules either. I really like the Whole30, but I think that's pretty restrictive, which is both good and bad. Um, and I also have a reset in my ebook, The 30-Day Energy Reset. Um, that's similar but somewhat less restrictive restrictive than the whole 30. Um, but it doesn't have to be you following rules that someone else made up. You can make the rules of a challenge or a reset for yourself. I mean, I've done several mini whole 30s where I don't exactly follow the rules because I know which rules are just going to make it not happen for me. And I think that doing it at 90% is actually better than doing it at all. So I'll do something like stick to the food list that's laid out in the whole 30, but I won't follow the other rules like no smoothies or no goodies that are compliant with whole 30 ingredients, which they refer to as SWYPO. And if you don't know what that means, go look it up because it'll make you laugh a little bit. Um, but because I do that because sometimes making a whole 30 compliant dessert as far as ingredients are concerned, is the difference between me sticking with it or drowning myself in a vat of Ben & Jerry's dairy-free ice cream. And P.S. if you haven't tried their coconut seven-layer flavor, it's freaking fantastic. So yeah, so that's a choice that I've made for myself, but I also have done an actual Whole30 before, so I feel like I've learned what I needed to learn from that, and I don't feel like those things are a part of what is important to me anymore. The important part is more getting back to eating a super clean paleo diet and eliminating those foods that I know don't make me feel good. So as I mentioned before, anyone that has any sort of tendency towards disordered eating in any form should probably just not go there with a challenge. Even if you don't struggle with that kind of thing anymore, a strict challenge often brings that out in people. So I would definitely say that you should figure out a different or more flexible approach if that's something that you've dealt with. There are also, some people who don't do well with having structure imposed on them, and that's probably a quality that would make you not such a good candidate for a nutrition challenge. I'm not saying that with any of this that you can't change the way you eat. It's just that you may need to look at it in a different way and make some small changes over time or do whatever you know works for you, but following a strict 21 or 30-day challenge just might not be the right choice for you, especially if you slip up um, 
and you don't complete the challenge if you're going to feel like a failure or like there's something wrong with you because that's not at all the case and some people just need a little bit more flexibility. So finding a way to make the best choice you can at any given moment would be much less mentally stressful for someone who's going to associate their worth with or their value with whether or not they can complete a nutrition challenge. Also, if you're going to do a challenge to get whatever result you wanted and then to go back to doing what you were doing before that wasn't really working for you very well in the first place, because if it was working, you wouldn't have done the challenge, is my guess, um, then I would advise that you just not do it until you're ready to make some lasting and sustainable changes. If you can whole 30 for 30 days and then go back to eating pizza and Chinese food four nights a week, you might need to reevaluate some of those things and consider what your goals are and why you wanted to do the challenge in the first place. I don't mean to sound harsh, but just a little bit of tough love here. I also think that the mindset that you bring into something like this is probably the first place you need to start when you're trying to decide if this is going to work for you. Because if you come at this from a place of dysfunction or a place of self-hatred or whatever, none of that is going to go away when you're done with a challenge. Losing a few pounds and losing a few inches isn't going to make those feelings go away. It might feel like it does temporarily, but those feelings will come back up in some other way at some other time and you'll be right back where you started. Even just defining your why can be super important. If you are going to do this as punishment or looking at it as you were bad and now you want to be good, it's definitely not the right thing for you. Um, ideally, a nutrition challenge is about taking yourself from a place that's not feeling physically great for you and getting to a better place. And the holidays are often um, a time when that happens or when that becomes most obvious for a lot of people. So I think it's going to be if it's going to support you in making some positive changes or maintaining changes, then it's a great thing. But if it's going to be some sort of uh, form of punishment, then it's definitely a no-go for you. One question I get a lot in working with patients and clients is, what the heck am I supposed to do after the challenge is over? And this goes back to the point that I made earlier about if you're going to do a challenge and then go back to eating your same crappy diet after, then there really isn't any point in doing the challenge or that you're doing it for the wrong reasons. I also hear from a lot of people that they do really well on their challenge, but as soon as they lose the accountability of the group or from the rules, they go hog wild and eat all the things. And before I address that, I do want to make a point about the duration of a challenge. Generally, they're set for 21 or 30 days or whatever for a reason. They do tend to be more restrict more restrictive than most the way that most people eat normally. And I wouldn't really advise that you keep following a challenge or do back-to-back -back challenges, mostly because of the mental aspect of having to operate within those restrictive guidelines. Because if it's a really well-designed challenge, the nutritional part should be fine, but most people can't eat a strict Whole30 diet all day, every day without getting a little bit crazy. So extending the challenge isn't necessarily the best option, and that also touches on the disordered eating a little bit. If you think that you just want to operate within that challenge framework forever, you might need to revisit your headspace a little bit. Anyway, some people plan their day 22 or day 31 to be full of pizza and cake and all the other things that they haven't eaten. And while I don't recommend that approach, as I said before, it actually can be really helpful to seriously insult your system in that way so you can see how truly terrible you feel when you eat all of those things. Again, this is not the recommended approach, but it definitely can work. 
the more acceptable way of doing this is to kind of ease out of the program. And there's usually something that you've been thinking about nonstop while you're doing this challenge, like dark chocolate or a glass of wine. So I think just having the one thing that you miss the most and see how your body feels is going to help you transition and know where to go next. I've also got a complete reintroduction protocol in my ebook, and I know that there's something similar in the Whole30 program, so you can look at those things if you feel like you need some more specifics on exactly how to reintroduce foods and transition off of a challenge. Everyone has something different in a different way that they want to reintroduce and rebalance when they come off of something like this. But I think it's important to understand your habits and your choices and what a program like this does is force you to get out of your own way and to cut out a lot of the emotional eating. Most of us don't emotionally eat broccoli or whatever foods are included in your program. So when you get those cravings, you really need to understand when you're getting them and why you're having them. Um, and that's important is for not falling off the wagon as soon as the program is over. So is your 3 p.m. sugar craving a result of not eating enough fat at lunch or are you tired or are you bored? There's so many reasons why you might get a craving like that and want to eat all the foods that are, weren't included in your program, but it all starts with an awareness of why and when that's happening. I also don't think that there's anything wrong with coming back to a reset now and again. If you feel like you've gotten off track because you just stopped paying attention or whatever. Um, but like I said, serial challenges are just not something that I think are a good idea. You could maybe do it quarterly or twice a year, but I wouldn't do them any more often than that because it just gets into a whole different issue around mindset and some of that disordered eating. I think the biggest takeaway you can get from any challenge and what can help you in making your transition is teaching yourself how to choose foods that feel good for your body and how to get away from eating so much sugar all the time. Most challenges focus on reducing sugar intake in some way, so that's obviously a big part of it. And when people have trouble making those choices, that's when things get really hard. And if you end your challenge with the mindset that you can have whatever you want whenever you want it, hopefully you won't want it because you just won't feel like it's off limits. So you know as soon as something is off limits, it's pretty much all you can think about and the only thing that you want. So if you can create your own rules in how to move forward, hopefully that will help you. This also doesn't need to be done in a strict or rigid way, but just understanding the things that you don't ever want to compromise on, like for a lot of people that's gluten and making a big deal about those, but just otherwise working, learning to work around things. For example, if you order something that has cheese on it, like you go to a restaurant, you don't usually eat cheese, you order something that has ends up having cheese on it, it's not a big deal. If cheese is not your big deal thing, then just eat around it or scrape it off, but don't make it into a big deal. Like for me, I try to always avoid gluten um, and I try to avoid dairy frequently. So, you know, I wouldn't order something that had gluten in it and I would make it a big deal to try to find something that didn't have gluten in it. Um, but if something that I ordered that didn't have gluten in it then came with cheese sprinkled on top, I would probably either just eat the cheese or try to work around it. But I definitely wouldn't make a big deal about that because it's just not a priority for me. So in terms of finding balance, I think that it's all about finding what feels good or what doesn't feel good for you, the things that either trigger you to have some habits created or some habits that you don't want to continue or the things that help you create good habits or continue good habits or create better habits. If you, um, if having rules makes you crazy, then you've learned that from doing a challenge and maybe a challenge isn't for you and not something that you would ever come back to. 
So after you've done this nutrition challenge and you're ready to keep all these healthy changes that you've made to your diet, how do you customize it to make it work for you? Paleo, when it first came out, there was um, a strict set of parameters that defined it. And as we talked about last week, these tend to make it more sound like a diet plan or something that was short-term and intended to get a specific result rather than something that is more a long-term thing and more of a lifestyle. So what I want you to do first is instead of thinking of paleo as a diet or a plan, think of it more as a door. It's something that you get started, you use to get started and get to a place where you feel your best, but it's not the ultimate destination. It's also important to figure out how you think of paleo because that will help you understand how you fit into that framework and how you can make it work best for you. Um, because when you really understand this, it'll allow you to stop worrying about what other people are doing and really hone in on how it's going to work for you. Because if you think about it as a restrictive diet, it's really super limiting. But when you look at it as this path or a door that you walk through to get to a better place rather than the actual destination, it makes it feel less restrictive and limiting. And understanding all of these things can really help you with the um, rationale for finding and doing what's right for you, which is really what this is all about. Last week in episode two, we talked about the basics of paleo, um, like I said, and if you wanted to go back and listen to that to really understand the basics, if you're not sure about them, um, that would be a good idea because I'm not going to really get into that this week. Um, but the quick overview is that the paleo diet does not include any grains, dairy, legumes, or refined sweeteners or artificial sweeteners. Shortly after paleo became a thing, there were some fringe foods that were quickly accepted as okay within the paleo framework. And the ones that I can think of off the top of my head are um, some gluten-free alcohol like tequila, dark chocolate, and rice. So when you eliminate all the things that are not considered paleo, you end up with real foods as they fall into certain categories. So you've got your meat, fish, and eggs, and then fruits and vegetables, and then nuts and seeds. And I like to think of this base group of foods as super clean paleo, which is only includes the foods that easily fall into those categories. And then whatever else there is, is the personalized version that you do for you. So your version of paleo might actually be this super clean version of paleo. And that's okay if that's how you feel best eating and that you don't feel deprived when you're eating this way. But if you feel like you need a little bit more flexibility, then let's talk about some things and some ways that can help you make paleo work better for you. So ways that you can still gain all of the benefits from eating a paleo diet, but not feel like you're being deprived or being super restrictive with your diet. So the first thing is, and we've already talked about this, is to do a reset. So if you really want to know how good you feel, how good you can feel, you need to do a reset. A Whole30, a 21-day sugar de detox, or the program that's, that I've got in my 30-day um, energy reset ebook. Whatever. It doesn't matter what you do as long as it's some sort of paleo reset. Um, and I already talked about why this is important, but you need to know that there are a lot of people that follow those guidelines way past the delegated timelines. And I think that it's important to understand and respect and the expiration date on those because this is where we get into the unhealthy um, mental aspects. We've already got we've already gone there. Um, but doing a reset and eating a super clean and yes, a somewhat restrictive paleo diet is really the only way to truly understand which foods do or don't make you feel good. And that's important. Having that information is absolutely critical to figuring out anything else about the way that you're going to eat. You'll also understand how great you can feel when you eat this way for an extended period of time. And by extended period, I mean three weeks, 
30 days, not just seven days. Um, and like I said, this definitely goes against what I just said about using paleo as a door rather than a super restrictive and temporary plan. Um, but a reset phase is only temporary and it's an extremely valuable tool, like I said, to get you to the place where you want to be and to understand some very important things about your body and the way you react to food. And really, as much as you don't want to hear this, if you're just starting out, this is probably the best place to start. If you don't have any issues that, or any of the issues that we talked about earlier that would make something like a nutrition challenge not the best idea for you. This is also a really great way to get started if you're kind of an all or nothing person. If you're not an all or nothing person and you need a little more gradual entry, I made some suggestions last week in episode number two um, about how to prioritize some of the changes so they don't feel super overwhelming or super restrictive if that's a problem for you. So then after your reset, you can look at the um, fringe foods or the gray area foods, as I like to call them, that interest you and you can test those. So things like white rice, beans, alcohol, uh, chocolate, sugars, gluten-free grains, stuff like that. Start looking at those foods, especially while you're still on your reset. Think about it as while you're doing your reset, if this feels like a diet, if I can't have X, Y, or Z, and then consider testing those foods when you're done. I've got, like I said, a whole testing reintroduction protocol in my ebook if you need some more guidance and want to check that out. And I know the Whole30 has the same thing in their program. You definitely don't want to eat these gray area foods all the time. If you do add them back in, you want to continue to focus on those big categories of meat, um, fish, eggs, vegetables and fruits, nuts and seeds, because those are the foods that are going to give you the most nutrition bang for your buck and cause the least amount of damage and stress within your body. Now, something that gets talked about a lot um, and is why paleo focuses on so many of the foods that it does is because of something we like to call nutrient density. And I'm just going to define that for you because a lot of people don't actually understand what that means. So that refers to the concentration of micronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals, per calorie of food. So high nutrient density foods supply a large range of vitamins and minerals relative to the calories that they contain, where low nutrient density foods supply a lot of energy or calories without much in the way of additional nutrition. So most diets include uh, a mixture of high and low nutrient density foods, but it's the overall pattern of the way that you're eating and focusing on those high nutrient density foods that's really important and where you really gain the benefit um, and why something like paleo is such a great, a great template to use. The key to personalizing paleo is also to critically think about what's right for you. That way it's easier to make a choice, which for some of you, this may sound really easy and for others, it may sound really hard, but rather than eating what someone else tells you you should or shouldn't eat, really take a good hard look at how the foods you eat make you feel. You absolutely have to do some sort of reset in order to understand that, but it's totally worth it. Um, we just get used to, I think I talked about this last week, where I you know, didn't realize how bad eating certain grains were making me feel until I got rid of them. And then when I started eating them again, I realized how bad I felt when I did eat them. So you really have to eliminate some foods like that for three weeks at a minimum, but better 30 days and start reintroducing them to really see what they're doing to your body and how they, how you feel when you eat them. You also really need to keep an open mind about all of this because things are always changing in nutrition science. If you think about 
our ideal nutrient nutrition nutrition plan as a bullseye. We're getting closer to understanding what the perfect diet is, but 10 or 15 years ago, the thinking was, and even the science at that time, that a vegan diet was the optimal way to eat for health. And then all of a sudden, we had all of this data saying that paleo is the way to eat for optimal health. So we're getting closer, but we're not there yet. And it's also important to remember that there are absolutely no paleo police to come after you. So if you want to eat beans and you do fine with them, then eat the beans, even though the beans aren't paleo. But if you, eat the, if you want to eat the beans and they don't make you feel good, please don't eat the beans. And this brings me to my next point, which is experiment. And experiment even with paleo-friendly foods. You want to pay attention to the way that you respond to things like nuts and seeds, coconut and coffee. Those are some of the foods that tend to be a little bit um, harsher for some people and a lot of people don't do well with those. There are some others um, that I'm not going to get into now. But understanding how you respond to foods is really going to help steer you in the right direction for you. Because as I have said time and time again, there is no one approach that works for absolutely everyone. There are some basics that you should keep in mind as you are doing your experimentation, but in the end, you really need to do what makes you feel best, um, which actually brings up an interesting point, which is that you have to be brutally honest with yourself. And there's a difference between wanting to eat something like, say, beans and actually tolerating them or wanting to eat rice or quinoa and having your body be okay with eating them. So you definitely need to test the foods you want to eat but do not let your desire to eat the foods skew the way you feel when you eat them because things like ice cream or chocolate might make you feel good mentally, but how does it make you feel physically? And you can't let your overwhelming desire to have a food included in your diet skew the way you think about it and skew the way it makes you feel. I get it. It's super hard, but if you want to feel good, if you're not feeling your best already, this is the only way. And as I mentioned in episode number two, you also get to choose which foods that don't make you feel great are worth it for you. Um, unfortunately, we as a society kind of all want to have it all, which we can't do. So you can't eat all the food and feel great all the time or get rid of like the bad skin that you have. You have to make some uh, compromises and that's just the unfortunate part of this. So say, for example, you get horrible eczema when you eat dairy, but for whatever reason, you feel like you can't give up cheese. So you have two choices. You can live with the eczema or you can eat the cheese. And I'm not here to make that decision for you, but you need to figure out why you can't give up the cheese. I mean, cheese is amazing. I get it. But I'm not sure that me personally, that I would be willing to live with horrible, itchy skin just to eat it. But if you're willing to put up with that, then that's your decision and you should be okay with that. And I'm not saying this even from a theoretical point of view either. I have so many patients who have this issue. They insist that they feel terrible and they have no energy, but for whatever reason, they just can't give up their diets full of gluten and sugar, which I can almost with 100% certainty say that if they would make some sort of dietary concession, then they'd feel better. And I know this because I've seen it work hundreds of times. So lastly... When you're making your own paleo template, you need to keep your eyes on your own plate because as I've said for more than once, what works for you doesn't necessarily work for someone else and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily work for you. So if you figure out that something like cheese or using almond flour in your baking doesn't work for you and you think that everybody needs to avoid nuts or everyone needs to avoid cheese, 
Remember that other people out there can digest those things just fine without symptoms. So there doesn't need to be any judgment amongst your peers. And I also think that this is really important um, when talking with practitioners or other healthcare professionals who are talking about dietary choices with you. As I hope that I've demonstrated in the last couple of podcast episodes, I try really hard to make general recommendations when it comes to diet since I know that different things work for different people. For example, I am not at all a supporter of the vegan diet. I'm not going to get into that, but I do know that there are some people who truly do thrive with that way of eating. So my goal is to never make you feel like you're making the wrong choice, but just to think critically about what you're eating and the way it makes you feel. So if someone comes to me and tells me that they're vegan, I can still help them understand what they can do with that framework to improve their nutrition and their health. I'm not there to tell them that they what they're doing is wrong or what they're doing is right because ultimately they have to make that decision for themselves. But judging people for what they do or don't eat won't get you anywhere and it won't solve anything for you. If you have a strong reaction to the way that someone else eats, it might be time to do a little digging into your mental space and see what might be going on. If it helps to not call it the paleo diet, then don't call it paleo. Call it whatever you want. I call the way that I eat paleo because those are the basics that drive my decisions, but my version of paleo will look very different from your version of paleo, which will look very different from your best friend's version of paleo, and all of that is okay. So that's all I've got for you this week. I would love to hear how you have personalized paleo um, to make it work for you or even some of your struggles surrounding making those decisions. If you want to head over to the blog post for this episode um, at www.marthaflorence.com slash episode zero three and leave a comment um, and tell me about that. I'd love to hear about it. If you enjoyed today's show, I would love it if you hopped on over to iTunes to leave a review. Reviews help the show to get noticed on iTunes and allow other people to find it. So if you have a minute or two, I would really appreciate it if you would leave me a quick review. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.